Well, if you have uh, your Bible, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 27. Uh, Acts chapter 27. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are to be here this morning. Thankful for life itself. Thankful, Lord, for your promises to us. Thankful, Lord, that you are good. That you are the great I am who's worthy of all of our praise. Thank you that you're fighting for us and not against us. Uh, And so we honor you today. Uh, Thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that you would open up our understanding, that you would plant your seed in our word, that it would bring forth fruit to the glory of God, and we give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I I get into the passage of Scripture this morning, uh, I would be remiss not to talk to you as a church about obviously what has happened during this week and what has blown up all over social media over the uh, issue with Roe versus Wade being overturned. Uh, And I would ask, as the people of God, that we would continue to act like the people of God. Um, And so that we just, we show love and we show grace. I understand that this is a very heated topic. Uh, I don't believe abortion is political. I believe it is a moral issue. I believe it is a spiritual issue. And I believe that the church should have something to say about it, okay? And so we are, as a church, if you're wanting to know, we are unapologetically pro-life. Uh, we do understand that there are issues where, where uh, abortions may have to take place. We all understand that. Uh, but I want you to know that whether you are pro-life or pro-choice here this morning, we love you, uh, and, and you are welcome in this congregation. Uh, and I would ask, as people of faith, that we continue to love one another. I have no problem with speaking your opinion. I have no problem with you speaking your Speaking the truth, I have no problem with you standing on what you believe. But can we do it with the grace of God? Can we do it with the kindness and the goodness of Jesus? It is God's goodness that draws us to repentance, not our screaming and yelling. So, in the name of Jesus, let's be loving people. uh, And let's be ready to love people wherever this falls and however this plays out. And however the laws or legislation comes around. Uh, we, as the people of God, need to love everyone. And so uh, let's just remember that as we pray for our nation. I believe it's just one more opportunity for our nation to be divided, one more opportunity for the church to be divided, uh, and one more opportunity for the enemy to get his foot in the door. And so, it, But if there are things that you are concerned about, questions that you have, uh, and you want to talk, I'm more than willing to talk and, 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 uh, and, and have a conversation, but I promise I'm not going to yell at you. As long as you don't yell at me. Fisticuffs won't fly. Um, but I understand that, that, that this is a, a, a heavily contentious topic. And I have no issues talking with anybody who has issues with where I stand or, or what we believe as a church. Uh, but we just want you to know that, that we love you. And we want God's best for your life. Amen. Everybody good with that? In Jesus' name. You still love me, right? Okay. Some of you are still mauling it over. Appreciate it. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 27, beginning at verse 21. This is kind of in the middle of the story, but I just wanted to read these passages. We'll look back and and talk about what's happening here. Uh, but uh, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, 
thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that shall that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I want to share a message with you that I've entitled, Even As It Was Told Me. How many of you have ever heard a story that was hard to believe? How many of you have ever told a story that was hard to believe? I'm not saying that the person was lying, but there are times that people take a little bit uh, freedom in the word exaggeration, right? Have you ever heard a story and knew that it wasn't true, or at least parts of it was fabricated, right? You knew as they were telling the story that what was coming out of their pie hole was not true. Typically, you can spot it or you can pick up it on Right away, eventually, somewhere within the story, a light goes off in your head, and you're like, this guy's lying, right? Now, that's, it's not always easy to see, see that or understand that, but have you ever been outright lied to, right? Been told a lie right to your face, and, and obviously lying can cause all kinds of problems. It might even ruin relationships. It causes all kinds of issues. It's never a good idea to lie. But have you ever told a story or ever heard a story that's a little hard to believe, but because of the person who was telling it, you had confidence that it was true. Right? Somebody's telling you a story, and because of the person that was telling it, the reason why you believe it, or believe that that a story is true uh, instead of false, is not necessarily because of the story itself, but because of the source of the story. Because who it was coming from. If we trust the source, we trust the story, no matter how unbelievable it may be. I mean, let's just be honest. There are some people that are full of stories, and you know that they're full of it, right, as they tell the story. But you know that there are some folks, you can trust what they're telling you because you trust the source, as we discussed last week, we, we, we talked about the fact that we live in a confused world. Can I get an amen? We live in a culture that is darkened by sin and whose mind has been blinded, the Bible says, by the God of this world. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the world has become futile in their thinking, their foolish hearts have been darkened, and that they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And in the Greek there, it doesn't just say the truth of God for a lie. It says the truth of God for the lie. The lie that there is something else that can replace God as creator, maker, and source of life and existence. That is the lie. The lie is is that man is God, that we are self-sufficient, that we don't need to trust or rely or fall upon the grace of God. This is the lie. And this is the darkness and that has blinded the eyes of the world. So it should not shock us that the world is confused. It should not shock us when the world acts like the world, right? Because our, the hearts have been darkened and blinded. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there will be a strong delusion to believe a lie. The world is listening to the wrong story and it's believing it. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, Charles Finney said that the world is lying well and the church is telling the truth badly. 
And, and that, that is one of the issues that we face in our world is that we can't just tell the truth. We've got to tell the truth well. That's why we tell the truth with the love of God. That's why we tell the truth in kindness. That's why we tell the truth in goodness. That's why we tell the truth in meekness and humbleness and gentleness because we know that it is God's goodness that draws us to repentance. But as believers, as followers of Jesus, as people of faith, we have the spirit of truth living on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit has come to lead us into all truth, to illuminate to us the word of God. We have been called to walk in the light. What light? The light of the truth. How many of you have ever turned on a light that you haven't used in quite a while and you want to turn it off immediately because it exposes things that you didn't know was there? Right? How many of you have that lamp or that light in your house that just sits there and never gets turned on? You got one of those? It's always there, but you never turn it on. And then eventually one day you do turn it on, and there's layers of dust, there's dirt, there's Cheerios behind the night in the stand. There's that sock I've been looking for for the last three weeks, right? Walking in the light, walking in the truth means that we walk in the exposure of God's work in our lives. We have been called to hear and know the story of the gospel and believe it. And here's the, fun, here's the wonderful thing. This story changes lives. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a bedtime story. It is a story that if anybody will believe it, if anybody will throw their hearts on the grace of God, can be radically transformed from the inside out. And the fact of the matter is we believe it because we trust the source. In this passage, Paul is on his way to Rome. He's arrested in Jerusalem in, uh, I believe, Acts chapter 20. He is prophesied over. Um, he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. He's prophesied over. They tell him that uh, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be put in bondage. You're going to end up in prison. And so the Ephesian believers uh, are actually trying to keep him from going. They're trying to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. But Paul says, this is what God has called me to do. And he says, I, I'm going on to Jerusalem. I, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, except that I know that bonds and imprisonment awaits me. Can you imagine? How many of you have made vacation travels knowing that prison and, in, and bondage is waiting for you? Paul said, all I know is that bad things are waiting for, for me. But he says one of the most powerful statements in all of Scripture. But none of these things move me. <laughs> none of these things move me. I'm not concerned about what's going to happen to me from the outside. I'm more concerned about what's going to happen to me if I don't obey God. So he's, he's, he's uh, arrested, falsely accused of causing a riot. He's being beaten. And as he's being beaten, he informs them, I'm a Roman citizen. Is it rightful for you to do this to me without a trial? And then everybody started freaking out because they're like, he's right. We can't do this to a Roman citizen. So he ends up standing before Felix, he stands before Festus, he stands before King Agrippa, and in front of all of these folks, he unashamedly preaches the gospel to every single one of them. Man, I just, I, Paul's one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. His, his bravery, his, his courage, his ability to stand before whoever he stood before and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He talked to King Agrippa, and it was King Agrippa who said that, you know, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. 
you know, so he talks to all these people. He doesn't care who he's standing in front of. He's even talking to the high priest, and somebody smacks him in the face, and he turns and says, may God smite you. And then they said, you can't talk to the high priest like that. And Paul's like, my apologies. Didn't know you were the high priest. I take that back. I should honor those who are in authority. But secretly, may God smite you. And so he appeals his case to Caesar, and he gets sent on a prisoner's ship to Rome. He told them, as they were about to take off, it would not be wise to leave the shore because a storm was coming, but they didn't listen because who's going to listen to a prisoner? And so here in this story, they find themselves in the middle of a storm that lasts for two weeks. And in the middle of the storm and sense of hopelessness, Paul gives this short sermon that we read here today. There, there was a sense, the Bible actually tells them that the, that the folks have basically given up. They had fought and fought. They've already thrown stuff overboard. They're, they're trying to survive the storm, thinking, surely, tomorrow the weather will be better. And it just doesn't seem to get better. And so Paul preaches a sermon. You know, I, I don't know... <laughs> how bad it was raining when Paul was preaching or telling them this. I don't know if they were like underneath, like out of the rain, or if he's like standing up on the deck just screaming over the sound of the wind, right? Yeah. Hey, guys! But this is what I would call crazy faith, right? I mean, in all honesty, when I look at the life of Paul and I look at the stance that he makes, I'm, I'm embarrassed, Right? This guy walks in a type of crazy faith that that is almost unbelievable. A confidence that is not moved by circumstances, that still rejoices and stays calm in the middle of ridiculous moments. He tells them of this angelic vision and the promises that God had given to him. God had spoke to Paul and said, you're going to Rome. As far as Paul was concerned, it was just like Jesus saying, let's go to the other side. As far as Paul was concerned, he was already there. I'm already in Rome. God told me I'm going to Rome. I'm going to Rome. God told me I'm going to stand before Caesar. I'm going to stand before Caesar. And so this storm comes up, this ridiculous, crazy storm that had brought hopelessness to everybody on the ship. And Paul gets up and declares... I believe that it will be even as it was told me. I mean, listen to what Paul tells them. I mean, you have to know that what Paul was saying at this moment in time, under these crazy circumstances, was going to be hard to believe. First of all, this is a prisoner. He's not ranked highly on the ship. He's not captain. He's not first mate. He's a prisoner. And all these people are working hard to try to keep the boat afloat. And of course, Paul, first of all, Paul does kind of have a sarcastic streak every once in a while, right? Because before he goes in to encourage them, he tells them, I told you so. Right? You should not have left Crete, like I said, in the first place. And you would have not gone through what you're going through, but you didn't listen. And so now here's where you find yourself. And so this night, an angel of the Lord whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me this night and he said, Paul, you're going all the way to Rome and you're not going to lose your life and nobody on the ship's going to lose their life, but the ship's going down. It's not all good news, right? 
Because I'm sure the owner of the ship was like, ah. Right? The ship's going down, but everybody is going to stay safe. They, they were talking about jumping over. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. We're going down with the ship, folks. We're going down with the ship. And so here's Paul, this crazy maniac, this prisoner. Might have even had chains on him. Stands up and says, hey, everybody. I know we've been out here for 14 days and it looks like death is certain. But I believe, even as it was told me. There was no reason for anyone to believe what Paul was saying to them. And honestly, it took a crazy faith to believe what the angel had told Paul. It took a crazy faith for Paul to have such confidence that he would stand up and say, I know the situation looks hopeless, but God has told me something. Looking around, it didn't seem like the situation was favoring Paul. Would you admit to that? Paul wasn't in favorable circumstances. He wasn't in a place where he could just see the blessing of God. I mean, everything about this trip stunk. Right? I mean, it started out with being in bonds and beaten and imprisoned and, and thrown on a ship and in the middle of a shipwreck. And then after they get off the shipwreck, he goes on the island, gets bit by a poisonous snake. There was nothing good about this vacation. There was no reason for Paul to be looking around and trying to find the blessing. But he declared he believed even as it was told him. And as believers, this is the kind of crazy faith that God is literally calling us to. That while the world tells their story, and while our circumstances and situations and hardships are telling their story, and while the devil is advertising his story, we have to believe the story that God is telling us. We have to believe even as it was told us. As believers, this is the kind of crazy obedience that God is calling us to. The world, the flesh, the devil has their story of what will satisfy us and what will bring us the greatest joy. But we have to believe the story that God is telling us. That obedience and holiness and a life dedicated to prayer and giving is not only worthy of living, but the source of our greatest fulfillment. We have to believe even as it was told us. Our culture is going to continue to lie to us as it moves farther and farther away from the Word of God. Our belief and adherence to the teachings of Scripture are going to be under attack, mocked, maligned as outdated and irrelevant. There are lines being drawn and there is a separation that is coming. At the end of time, the Bible says that there will be a separation of the sheep from the goats. There will be a separation of the wheat from the tares. What you're going to see the closer we get to the end of time is that the real Christians will come to the top. The fake Christians will fall off. And so when you see a drop in the number of people that are attending church, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are losing Christians. It just means that possibly the real ones are being sifted. So here's the thing. For our eternal souls, we have to believe, even as it was told us. Because there comes a day when all of us will stand in judgment before God, and we will be judged 
by this word. For our eternal souls, we have to believe even as it was told us. As we look at Paul in the story, there's some things I want to point out about this crazy faith that I want you to see. First of all, as we mentioned, Paul believed because he knew the source. Paul believed because he knew the source. He said, an angel of the Lord stood by me, whose I am and whom I serve. In other words, Paul said, I know God. I know his faithfulness. I know his goodness. I know his track record. I've seen what he has done. I've watched his promises be fulfilled. I have seen him bring me through the fire time after time after time. I have watched him bless my life in the most difficult of circumstances. And he told me, he told me, not just somebody who was just overly optimistic. Right? Y'all know any people like that? I mean, don't get me wrong. Negative people kind of get on my nerves. But there's some overly optimistic people also that I wouldn't mind smiting them. Right? You know, those kind of people that doesn't matter what's going on. There's always some sunny side of seeing it. Can you just let me be mad for a minute? Right? So this wasn't just some overly optimistic guy who skipped up and said, Paul, I think we're going to be okay as the boat is going down. This was an angel of the God whom Paul belonged to and whom Paul served. And Paul said, you don't have to believe me because it's not my story. But you can believe the one who told me and he said, I'm not going to lose my life. Paul believed God because he knew the source. Again, I know, I know of folks that when they start a story, you always have to sit there with a checklist and say, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right either. Right? And I don't dislike them. God bless their hearts. But, I mean, let's just be honest. Some people tell stories just because they want you to like them or they're trying to make their life sound more exciting than what it is or they're trying to top you. You know the one-up people? When you tell a story, this happened to me. Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you what happened to me. Right? And so because we have a track record of how they have acted, then every story that comes out of their mouth is questionable. But when we have a track record of a faithful God, when we have a track record of a God who never fails, when we have a track record of a God who has already redeemed us, already saved us, already set us free from the power of sin, already made us citizens of heaven, then we have a rock on which to place our feet. And we can recognize that no matter what the circumstances are telling, no matter what story the world is telling, no matter what story the devil is telling, I'm going to believe God even as it was told me. Secondly, we talked about this a minute ago, Paul was blessed even in the storm. Listen, we have a hard time as Christians seeing the big picture. We have a hard time as people just seeing the big picture, right? We see what's happening right now in front of our face. We see the battle that we're going through. We see the heartache or we see the blessing, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We see what's happening right now, okay? We, we might have signs in our life that we ignore because right now it's not that bad. Right? I mean, there's, um, nobody likes pain, but we all know that pain is actually a uh, warning sign, right? If it wasn't for pain, 
you could, you could walk down the street barefooted, cut your foot open, and bleed to death because you don't feel it. Of course, I would hope eventually you would look down and see a trail of blood behind you, but pain actually acts as a thing that reveals to us that there's something wrong. There's people who have not gone to the doctor because today I feel okay. They haven't felt good for two weeks, but they have one good day. I ain't going to the doctor. I feel fine. Right? Those of you who are married, but you've heard your spouse complain for the last two weeks, but they have one good day. God bless you. Glad you had one good day. So sometimes all we see is like what's right in front of us. We only respond to the feeling, the emotion of what we're, we're at. But God sees the big picture. God sees the entire story. God sees the entire plan, the entire purpose. And one of the things that I, I love about uh, Paul is, is that in this little short mini-sermon that he gives, in the middle of all this and telling them an angel of the Lord stood before me, what does he say? He says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I mean, surely the people thought that this guy is drunk. How in the world could he be of good cheer? And that's one of the most wonderful things about Paul. Paul's disposition of faith was joy. Paul's dispensation of faith was peace. When he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, he was writing from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice evermore. Peter said that this is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I can't even explain it to you. It's joy that comes. And Paul found blessing in the middle of the storm. After long abstinence, after not eating for 14 days... I've fasted so far for about two hours, and I'm struggling right now. Fourteen days. Paul stands up and says, be of good cheer. Even tells him eventually, eat something. You haven't had anything. He was not the only one who hadn't eaten. The entire boat hadn't eaten. Eat something for your strength. Then he even blesses the food. Was it still raining? I don't know. But Paul took time to bless the food. And as the storm got worse and the boat started to get broke apart, the, the, uh, the prisoners, uh, the guards are afraid that the prisoners are going to escape. And they recognize if we lose these prisoners, we lose our life. So they were going to kill the prisoners. But because Paul had favor, because Paul was blessed, it not only saved his life, but everyone else on the boat. I'm telling you, folks, when you walk under the favor of God, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody in your circle. When you walk under the favor of God, it doesn't matter how loud the wind is. It doesn't matter how high the waves are. It doesn't matter how hard it rains. It doesn't matter if you find yourself in your place and you're like, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. There is a blessing in the storm. There's a blessing in the fight. Paul was blessed even in the storm. Number three, there was safety in obedience. There was safety in obedience. The, the safest place in the world to be is in the will of God. 
It's, it's better to be in a hostile zone as a missionary, if that's the will of God for your life, than it is sitting in your lazy chair at home watching TV. The safest and most secure place to be is in obedience. And that's what was hard about what was happening here. I mean, you had people that were on this ship that understood storms. They understood what the storm was going to do. They had tried to drop anchor. They had lifted the anchor. They had pulled the sails up. They had brought the sails down. They had done everything that they had known to do to save the ship. And all Paul told them was do was just hang on. We're going to ride this thing out. This boat is going to crash and turn into a million pieces, but we're all going to live. What kind of plan is that? What kind of plan is that? Let's ride the storm out till everything we have falls apart. But on the other end of this, we're going to be blessed. But you've got to obey God. You've got to obey God. You see, when we, when, we talk about, when we talk about obeying the Lord and walking in obedience, what the enemy wants to try to convince us is that obeying God is going to keep you from enjoying this thing. That obeying God is going to keep you from being able to experience this fleshly desire. Or obeying God is going to cost you this thing in your life. And because of that, it discourages us from obeying God. But it's when we truly commit ourselves to obedience that God protects us, that God covers us, that God fulfills us, that God satisfies us, that God leads us, that God directs us. There is protection and safety and security in obedience. You want to see God move in your life? You want to see a revival in your life? Obey God. Just obey God. That's literally all we've been called to do. (laughs) Obey. Just obey. And as we obey, God takes care of the rest. God takes care of the rest. So don't allow the enemy or the world or your own flesh to convince you that obeying God is going to keep you from truly enjoying life. When that is the exact opposite. That in obeying God, I'm safe. I'm safe in what God is doing in my life. Even when the obedience doesn't make sense. Even when doing it God's way doesn't seem like the best way of doing it. We recognize that God and his word is true. And because it is true, when we walk in truth, it protects us from the falseness and the lies of the world and sin itself. Number four, I want you to look at is he shook it off and kept on going. Paul and everybody on the boat survives a shipwreck. I guess they grabbed a piece of the ship and kind of floated in, Right? So they took their time, enjoyed the water, made it to the island of Malta. And on the island of Malta, the Bible says that the people there received them. And uh, they decided to build a fire because it had rained and obviously it had gotten a little bit colder. So Paul, in his servant mentality, goes over and starts gathering up sticks. I'm going to help build this fire. You know, Paul could have said, that's not my job. That's not in my job description, picking up sticks. But Paul was a servant, no matter where he went. So Paul goes and picks up sticks, and out of the sticks, out of the fire, comes a viper, attaches itself to his hand. Now, the Bible obviously indicates that this is a a venomous snake. 
And so the snake has bit him. Obviously, the poison is in his body. What does Paul do? Paul danced around as he cried, as he screamed. Why does God hate me? The Bible says he just shook it off and kept gathering sticks. Now, the people on the island, they all just kind of stood back and was like, let's watch him swell up and die. Nobody seemed to be wanting to help him or anything. This guy's going to swell up and die. They, They were like, well, he escaped the storm. He must be a murderer. He escaped the storm, but now that he made it on the island, the judgment of the gods have gotten him by this viper. Somehow he escaped God out in the Poseidon out here in the water, and now he's been bitten by a viper. I don't know who the god of snakes is or whatever. But when they, then after they saw him not swell up and die, what'd they do? They thought he was a god. It was like, this guy's divine. Right? And I'm sure that Paul, it doesn't say that Paul necessarily correct him, but I'm sure that they did. But then after what happened, see, here's the thing about life. Life typically is not fair. And as long as people are alive, dumb stuff's going to happen. As long as people are alive, you're going to get hurt, wounded, stabbed in the back, talked about, mocked, made fun of, hated. All of that's going to happen. There's going to be hatred, backbiting, gossip, murder. All of this is going to happen as long as people are alive, right? So life is not fair. I get it. Especially when we're not even meant for this planet. We are meant for another world. This is not our inheritance. Heaven is. But what Paul recognized was, doesn't matter the storm, doesn't matter the snake, doesn't matter where I find myself, what circumstance I'm in, who likes me, who doesn't like me. I'm going to shake it off, and I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to shake it off, and I'm going to keep on going. We all know that one of the greatest keys to success in any endeavor is the ability to persevere. It's the ability to endure. I've said many times before, the only way you can lose is to quit. That's the only way you can lose in the faith. When you're walking with God, as long as you're still moving forward, you're winning. The only way we can lose is quit. The only way we can lose is to give up. Both of my kids play baseball. This is the first year for Avery moving up from coach pitch to kid pitch. And we know moving from coach pitch to kid pitch is not easy for a lot of kids. And Avery's on the young end of the spectrum. He's always going to be one of the youngest kids. And so he's gotten a little frustrated because in coach pitch, he was a good hitter. And now in kid pitch, he has to adjust to a kid throwing at him. And so he doesn't hit as well. And so he's gotten a little frustrated, right? And so he's not quite as excited about playing baseball. But we know that baseball is a game of failure. It's a game of failure because you might get up to bat and strike out and not get another chance until three innings later to try to redeem yourself. And you might strike out again. You may not get a chance to redeem yourself until three days later. Maybe the whole game wasn't yours. Maybe you went out in the outfield and got hit in the head with a fly ball. You struck out. It's a game of failure. And if you allow that to get into your head, you can't move on to the next step. You have to shake it off. You got to shake it off. You got to grab onto the confidence of what God has told you. Because setbacks are not meant to set you back off the plan and purpose of God. 
roadblocks are going to come. Life is an obstacle course. And so we have to recognize that as long as we obey God, as long as we are moving, as long as we persevere, Paul just kept going. If you were to ask Paul, Paul, what are we going to do now? His answer is, keep going. We're just going to keep going. I'm not in Rome yet, so just keep going. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up because of a storm, because of a shipwreck, because of a snake. (laughs) I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. He shook it off, and he kept on going. And number five, Paul had a revival. Paul had a revival. Now, who would have thought? They weren't going to Malta. That's not where they belong. That's not what, that's not what, that's not what, that was not the destination. That's not what the ticket said. The boarding pass said Rome. They weren't going to Malta. There were no stops on the way. This wasn't a cruise. Mickey Mouse wasn't on board. This, they were going to Rome. And they went through a shipwreck. They floated on the sea. Paul's bitten by a viper. He shakes it off and keeps moving forward. And what happens? He lays hands on the father of the governor of the island. And he gets healed. And then the Bible says in chapter 28 that all the sick on the island came to Paul. And Paul laid hands on all of them. And they all got healed. Now we could all say, what a coincidence that Paul would end up on Malta. But it was the storm that brought the healing and revival power of God to the island of Malta. It was the storm. It was the shipwreck that brought them. It was the battle, the hardship, the thing that we would have tried to pray away that brought them to an island where revival took place. Now, could have Paul gotten there a different way? Sure. But we understand that the purpose of God is not always the way we like for it to be. And so Paul, coming out of hardship, coming out of one of the worst moments of his life, ends up experiencing a revival. And still as a prisoner, finds finds favor among the guards, ends up living in a house all by himself, has his own house. And the Bible says that he continues preaching the gospel to everybody that came to him. Everybody that came to him. The gospel, folks, made it to Rome because Paul was a prisoner. Because Paul got arrested and taken to Rome as a prisoner, the gospel changed the entire empire. See, we don't always understand what God is doing, but out of heartache, out of hardship, can come revival. Out of the worst times of your life, can come the greatest moves of God. Out of the most broken moments of your life is where you learn to trust the plan of God. It's where you learn to look at God's power and God's purpose for your life. It's where you stand and say, I don't understand, but I believe God even as it was told me. Folks, there are a lot of stories being told. A lot of lies in our world that we have to deal with. A lot of lies that our own mind and our own heart tells us. 
There are lies that the enemy tells us. He's the father of them. Even when he speaks half-truths, he's still lying to us. The world system is not going to cheer us on in our pursuit of obedience and holiness and righteousness. So the stories that you're going to hear are not the stories of faith and trust in God and hope in the gospel. So we have to remind ourselves of the source. We have to remind ourselves that God is close to the brokenhearted. That God is close to us in the middle of our battles. It's in the middle of our fights that we not only find out who God is, but we find out who we are. And in doing so, we can declare with Paul, I believe God, even as it was told me. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, how grateful we are for your goodness to us. How grateful we are for your faithfulness to us. We're thankful, Jesus, that you never give up on us. That your love never runs out. That your plan and your purpose is perfect. That we can trust you. That God, even when we don't understand, we have your words that we can base our life and found our life upon. And so we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you would encourage every broken heart here this morning, that you would encourage every discouraged heart, every disappointed heart, every fearful heart, that your encouragement, your strength would come, that your promises are true, that what you have spoken you will fulfill. And so, Lord, we commit our hearts today to be people of the Word, people who stand on the Word, people who believe the Word, people who walk in obedience, people who live in holiness and purity, committed to giving and serving, to honor you with our lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we focus our attention on the Lord, as we end our service,